welcome to Pursuing Truth. I'm your host, Barry Watkins. Welcome to Pursuing Truth. We're back. Hey, um, we're going to be talking today about how we know things. You know, um, I had some recent uh, conversations online with some people about this. And um, I was, it, it kind of started with, um, you know, a post about uh, Sagan's dragon in his garage, the little blurb that he had, um, you know, written years ago. And, and um, I posted this excerpt on the Facebook group. And um, what it's talking about, again, this is uh, from his Demon Haunted World, his book, uh, The Demon Haunted World. Um, I'll just go ahead and read this little blurb. It's uh, the dragon in my garage. A fire-breathing dragon lives in my garage. Show me, you say. I lead you to my garage. You look inside and see a ladder, empty paint cans, an old tricycle, but no dragon. Where's the dragon, you ask? Oh, she's right here, I reply, waving vaguely. I neglect to mention that she's an invisible dragon. You propose spreading flour on the floor of the garage to capture the dragon's footprints. Good idea, I say, but this dragon floats in the air. Then you'll use an infrared sensor to detect the invisible fire. Good idea, but the invisible fire is also heatless. You'll spray paint the dragon and make her visible. Good idea, but she's an incorporeal dragon and the paint won't stick. And so on. I counter every physical test you propose with a special explanation of why it won't work. Now, what's the difference between an invisible, incorporeal, floating dragon who spits heatless fire and no dragon at all? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? Um, you know, so uh, I've looked at this in the context of religion, pseudoscience, you know, different things, um, especially the existence of God. You know, I always think about this is that, you know, when we when we think about God, I mean, I was struck by this recently, um, more than ever. Uh, just it happens to me now and then. Um, I went to a funeral of a friend, and um, it was in a Baptist church. And you know, we we went in. They they we sang some songs. We talked, you know, about the the friend who died, and and the family, you know, got up and was talking about, you know wonderful stories they remember and things like this. And, um, but, you know, uh, sprinkled throughout, um, there was just lots of mentions of, well, I'm so glad that we know where he is. He was a Christian and he's on, you know, he's in heaven now, you know, with God and we'll see him again someday when we die. And, um, the preacher of course got up and talked extensively about this and, uh, gave actually a salvation invitation message and everything about that, which, they tend to do at Baptist, Baptist funerals. I don't know if you knew that, but, um, yeah, you usually get a chance to, um, give your life to the Lord at a funeral because they know people are thinking about this sort of thing. People are thinking about death and heaven and what happens after you die and all of that. Um, and that, you know, when I looked around me, um, at the funeral, it just, you know, it struck me and it, it's been doing this to me pretty often in church lately. Um, you know, the last, decade or so <laughs> when I go to church, 
and I look around me, I, I see an empty building. I, I see everybody talking about this person who we call God and, and you know, this Jesus person who they say is alive and active in our lives. But when I look around me at the evidence, basically, I'm not seeing evidence for it. I'm seeing a lot of people believing it. But where's the actual evidence that this God is existing, that he, that he, that he is existing, that he is alive, that he is active? I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like Sagan's dragon. It's, you know, he's invisible. Oh, well, yeah, the Bible says he's invisible. Okay. We can't see him because of our sin. You know, he's hidden himself from us. There's all of these reasons why things are the way they are that religion lays out for us as explanations. Um, how do we know what's true when, uh, you know, when all of this kind of added up in my head at one point, you know, uh, along my journey, I was thinking about all of these things and seeing, wait a minute, could God really not be there? Could God be non-existent? And then what is the evidence in front of me? Do I, I don't see him. I don't see him. Uh, people talk about miracles. Um, do Does God produce miracles? Is there really such a thing? Well, the more I looked at it, um, the more I kind of dug a little deeper into that whole aspect of things. There are explanations for what we call miracles. You know, usually, I mean, every time I've dug into a miracle claim, basically there is a natural explanation that kind of, for me, just trumps the miracle explanation. And it's like, oh, okay, these things happen. You know, it's like uh, we pray and pray and pray for things uh, as believers. And I did as a believer. I prayed fully believing that my prayers were being answered. And when we get the answers in a positive, when we get a positive answer, like, oh my goodness, she feels better. She's, you know, keep praying for her. She's feeling better, this person. You know, um, you know, it's, it's confirmation to us. Oh, prayer is really working. But then when it doesn't work, it's like, what, what's not causing this prayer to work? And we'll come up with excuses. And religion does have those excuses. Oh, either, you know, maybe she was in sin. Maybe God's judging this. We can't really tell why this prayer didn't work, why she's sick, why she's dying. You know, we can't really know, but we know that God has it under control. And so we pray for healing, but when we don't get the healing, we still kind of just put that all to as faith and we say, oh, well, we need to have faith in God that he's in control, right? Um, but when I when I looked back and analyzed how many times I had prayed and all the different prayers that, yes, got answered or didn't get answered, and other people, I can look at other people's track record when they prayed, preachers who were full of faith, who spent their lives preaching the word of God, and, and they should be very close to God, you would think their prayers didn't seem to be any more effective than mine. Their prayers didn't seem to be any have any effect when I look at it objectively, it seemed kind of random. The answers are random. It's like, okay, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you get a yes answer, sometimes you get a no answer. Sometimes you get a, well, maybe, or wait, you know, for a good answer. I'm just saying, it's uh, it's arbitrary. And, and 
when I looked at it that way and I just took away all of my desires and I looked at it clearly and honestly, I said, yeah, I think it's kind of random. I think um, prayer sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. And to me, that's as if you didn't pray at all. It's kind of the same result. Um, and uh, getting back to that um, perception that I've had now of going to church and looking around, I see a lot of people created this system of belief and they perpetuate it by believing it. But how do they even know that it's true? They don't. How can they, how can we even know that this God is really there? I look around me and I'm like, no, I mean, the evidence tells me he's not there. It's people doing everything. If nobody, if everybody stopped spreading the gospel, you know, if, if the church kind of gave up its activities for, you know, let's say a couple years, we decided, oh yeah, we're just going to let it all up to God and we're not going to do anything. Um, I think the religion would die out. It would, it would go away. The belief system would stop perpetuating itself if people didn't do all the work. It's basically, I mean, you can look at it and say, wow, I mean, it's all about things people have done. It's, it's a word that people wrote down. Now people are teaching it. People are sharing it. People are believing it. And that's the only reason that it's here. That's the only reason that this God belief is alive is because of people, right? That's been my conclusion. You know, you look at all that evidence and it's as if this God doesn't exist. It's as if he's not really there. And is that the logical conclusion? Do we do we keep coming up with excuses of, oh, no, he's invisible. Um, oh, no, there's you know, all these reasons why we don't see answers to prayer. But can we just be honest and lay it all out there and say, well, maybe that's the truth is that this God really doesn't exist. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Pursuing Truth with Barry Watkins. So how do we know things? You know, there's several, uh, lots of different theories about um, knowledge and uh, epistemology and uh, the nature of knowledge and how to go about knowing things. You know, there's the scientific method, which we've been talking about. There's the, you know, which tends toward, I guess, physicalism, uh, materialism. And um, that, you know, gets, um, you know, criticized by people sometimes. You know, they say, oh, yeah, you're, you know, science is only going to take you so far. You can only learn so much with science. Science has its limitations. And you've got this... Um, you know, physicalist or materialist bias in science. It's inherent in science. And I'm like, well, you know, um, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that um, science has led us down a path of physicalism um, because it's uh, a logical step-by-step -step approach to finding out the truth. And the 
you know, I personally am, a, a, you know, believe in, yeah, physicalism in that, uh, you know, physicalism, materialism is basically that everything that we observe is explainable and explained by physical properties. The, the universe is physical. And, uh, you know, the study of those things leads us into greater and greater detail about how that works. And uh, we're learning so much, you know, and it's all through the scientific method you take. You observe, you observe things, you um, measure things, you know, you look for things that are detectable. Uh, you know, you, you find new ways to detect things in the universe. And we've done that. You know, we found um, that visible light is only part of the electromagnetic energy spectrum. And, and, you know, so the more we learn, the more it expands our ability to observe the universe. You know, we can see things with infrared and we can see things with ultraviolet light and radio waves and um, x-rays, you know, it's like, okay. And we keep, you know, it allows you to to get more of that information. The more our technology advances, the more we're able to observe and the more we're going to understand about the universe. And it's it's been a steady progression. It's been an explosion of knowledge over the last, you know, 100 years, obviously. Um, and then, but there are various epistemologies out there, I guess. There are people that claim that, um, okay, there is a spiritual world, for instance. There is a way of believing about the universe that, oh, there's physical that you can see, there's physical that you can measure and detect scientifically with observations, but there is, you know, they will argue there is a spiritual world behind all of this. And they give, you know, different reasons why they think that there is a spirit world, um, that there are spiritual aspects of reality that, um, physicalism doesn't account for. And um, some of that, you know, I think um, I think there's legitimate roads of inquiry that you can go down for sure. I'm very open-minded personally. Um, I'm very open-minded about the idea of, hey, maybe there are things that we can't detect and maybe there is such a thing as a spiritual world. I, you know, I don't discount that completely. I just think so far with, you know, the uh, the understanding that I have of all of the information that I've been able to glean through and collect and, you know, reading, you know, science and things like that, you know, reading about religion and reading the various, you know, things about philosophy, logic, epistemology, all of that. You know, I've come to a physicalist conclusion, a materialist conclusion that the universe is physical. And, you know, uh, there are people, you know, who will cite various things like consciousness. And they'll say, oh, consciousness can't be explained just by materialism. There has to be something else going on, you know, that creates consciousness. And it's this mystery that they talk about. Well, you know, listen to some people who, you know, do understand neuroscience. Listen to some people who do understand, you know, how consciousness might work. Look at evolution. Look at the various things that we have learned. You know, look at psychology, sociology, all of that. 
and we can determine um, pretty much, I mean, we're pretty close to understanding how the brain works. We're pretty close to understanding, okay, the brain collects information, it processes information, you know, it collects the information about the universe through the senses. You know, we, we collect data through our senses. And then our brain processes that information. Well, our consciousness is an awareness of that activity. Why would consciousness evolve in a brain like this? Uh, we're learning that, um, you know, consciousness... It makes sense that consciousness, and there are various theories about this, but that consciousness is a logical result of just behavior patterns being um, refined with natural selection. And that the, the creatures or the, <laughs> the beings and entities, animals that um, develop the various pieces of consciousness are the ones that survived better and that this was just a part of our evolution. Just like our bodies evolved, our minds evolved as well. And our minds evolved into the ability to have what we call consciousness. But consciousness really is nothing more than sensory input, processing of that sensory input, and then decision-making, um, being able to see the future which is all something that we can kind of grasp if we, if we, you know, take the you know, take the brain as a computer, and a computer, you know, uses electrical, digital impulses, digital symbols, to formulate all kinds of amazing things. You can do all kinds of cool things with computers. We can process all kinds of cool information. Well. Our brains basically act like a computer. And the processing of all of that, the predicting the future, the um, being aware of your surroundings, being aware of yourself as a part of your environment, you know, all of these things make sense if you kind of break it down and say, well, this is how nervous systems evolved. So, you know, I don't, I don't see consciousness as being as big of a mystery as people try to make it, I think. Um, I do understand, yes, um, scientists do call it a problem. There's the problem of consciousness, which is still, you know, there's lots of unknowns about it. But um, the idea that consciousness has to be some spiritual thing, I think it's just taking leaps. I don't think that it's warranted. I think physicalism does take care of all of that. It does explain all of that. It's just that you know, filling in the details with more information is, is really good. We keep learning. You know, there, there's nothing wrong with continuing to learn. But, um, yeah, the idea that um, spiritual, you know, versus physical is an actual thing, I don't really see any, any call for, you know, calling anything spiritual. You know, we have, uh, yeah. And, and there's, you know, the idea of life after death or... Uh, the ideas of like karma, you know, the things religion posits, you know, things like uh, um, reincarnation, all of those things. They're very interesting. And yeah, wouldn't it be cool if those things are true, you know, that we could live after the grave? 
that our consciousness somehow is preserved and continues on some somehow in in another dimension or something in another realm you know but uh, i i just don't see you know i think the more we learn the more we are finding that yeah that's probably not true it's probably not the case um the idea of a consciousness surviving the brain outliving the brain doesn't really make sense if the brain is the source of our consciousness and it, it appears to be the case whenever you mess with someone's brain you know when someone gets certain brain injuries their personality can completely change their perception of the world can completely change you know and um yeah the more we understand about this um Obviously, the more problems we're going to be solving in the future. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Pursuing Truth with Barry Watkins. You know, um, I do find it interesting um, when people talk about, oh, science has its limits, you know, um, you're never going to get the full answer about the world uh, through science alone because, you know, there's a spiritual aspect to things and that, you know, like we said, they, they cite things like consciousness and all of that. But um, and then our life, you know, the idea that we, you know, have a life force, what produces life? You know, uh, just, a, you know, people have trouble understanding how physical things like, you know, the, uh, swirling electrons, atoms, molecules, how all of that can actually turn into life um, or how that produces life or produces things like thought or emotions or love, you know, and, and uh, yeah, beauty, things like that. Um, people have a hard time understanding how physical things like molecules and atoms can actually, you know, atoms and molecules can actually produce those sorts of things that we perceive as something ethereal. We per perceive it as something beyond physical. But it's, I, th I think it's a matter of perception. I think it's a matter of, yes, we are conscious of the world. And um, all of those things like thought, um, logic, um, emotion, all of those things stem from our physical makeup of who we are. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. You know, we can, we can recognize beauty in the universe. Does the fact that it's all physical take away from that? Not really. Not at all. It's, I think it's still an amazing, beautiful thing. Um, so... I, I don't understand the problem. But um, yeah, we can explore that, of course, more. Um, you know, what are, what are some of the other thoughts about that? When you talk about epistemology or how we know things, um, what are some of the avenues for knowledge that uh, people claim are, you know, something that, you know, we can... Can we receive knowledge in other ways other than observation, other than measuring something, other than detecting something? Can we gain knowledge other than through our physical senses or, and other than through logic? 
putting logical, you know, uh, putting logic to the things that we see with our senses, perceive. Well, um, you know, some of the claims are that, um, yes, we receive, we can receive direct revelation. Some people claim to be um, psychics. Some people, you know, or mediums. You know, some people claim to be prophets, hearing directly from God. Some people, um, some strains of belief um, in Christianity, for instance, are all about, you know, personal revelation coming from God on a regular basis. I was in that kind of a religion before. I was in, um, you know, charismatic Pentecostalism, um, fundamental Bible-believing Christianity. And um, the Bible led me to believe that those things were true. And I, I believed that I could hear from God. I got messages from God when I prayed. I got messages for people in church from God, and I would deliver them to people. Sometimes I would deliver a message to the congregation as a prophecy. It was something that we did in the charismatic churches. You know, it was uh, kind of just expected. It was a practice. And I learned it from other people. I learned it from the Bible. You know, I read the Bible and it, you know, talks about prophets and hearing from God. Well, I followed all of that and I, I believed wholeheartedly, 100% believed wholeheartedly that I was receiving messages from God. It was amazing. Um, it's amazing looking back on it that I was really that into it, that I, I could really follow that. And I believed I was casting out demons from people and that demons would flee. And you could see it happen. You know, you could observe it. It was like, oh yeah, there's this spiritual world that we can observe. Well, now that I uh, think a little more clearly about it, you know, I, I started, you know, if you've been listening very long, you I keep repeating myself. I've, uh, <laughs> you know, look at things more objectively these days. And when I looked at things objectively, um, I could recognize, okay, this is how that mind trick might actually work. And, you know, the, you know, there's a psychology at play with a lot of those things, with all of those things. They're, they're things that we want to believe and we can make ourselves believe all kinds of crazy things and believe that we're seeing all kinds of cool things. Um, we have a tendency as human beings toward pattern recognition, and we talk about this fairly often, that um, you know, we tend to see um, God in things because we tend to see patterns and we look for personification of things. And, um, you know, we can perceive that, uh, oh gosh, I remember one time this uh, guy that was um, kind of, uh, he had dementia, okay, obviously, in the church, uh, was an older man, and he was the, I guess he was the father of one of the pastors in the church, and this was years ago, and I remember one time this guest preacher was there, and he was like shouting and screaming, and and the the older man that had dementia, you know, who was normally very quiet, got up and started shouting, and I think something had triggered him, you know, in this preaching, and the guy started, you know, and he started shouting back and kind of 
cursing at the, uh, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was, wasn't very nice uh, what he was saying back to the preacher. And he was kind of calling the preacher out, I guess, and, and disagreeing with him, but it was just weird. And um, the preacher started casting out a devil out of him. And boy, it was convincing, folks. Um, you know, I really believed then, wow, that was a demonstration of the devil, man. The demons were shouting out of this guy, you know. And then the, the preacher put him, you know, uh, silenced him with casting out the demon and, and speaking to him in a certain way. And he kind of fell back down in his seat and they kind of escorted him out, I guess. And uh, it was, you know, one of those things that convinced me. I saw all kinds of crazy things like that in church. And uh, you would see it now and then in those Pentecostal crazy churches, right? But, uh, you know, these things convince us you know, it was one of those things that convinced me, wow, there's it. There is spiritual forces at work here. There are spiritual things happening. But yeah, I looked at it later. Um, I, I learned some things about psychology. I learned some things about the brain. And uh, the brain can fool you into all kinds of interesting things. Emotions can lead us down a path where it heightens our senses and it makes us feel like something spiritual is happening. Um, I remember learning about uh, seeing a report on ABC News one time. And it was uh, uh, one of the main uh, anchors. I forget which one. But um, he was talking about, uh, he did this series on religion. And he was traveling to different places, different going to different churches. And, and one of the things he talked about one segment on that was... Uh, that uh, when they did a study on the brain and what happens when people pray. And uh, I remember being so intrigued by this and thinking, wow, this is really fascinating. You know, they were explaining it away, <laughs> the feelings that you get when you pray, that it's chemical and emotion and that it is something that's measurable, the brain waves, you know, and, and the chemical activity in the brain can be measured and shown and uh, it happens in certain areas of your brain and they've decided you know they they've deciphered some of this and figured out okay this is what happens and this is what gives you this feeling of elation when you're praying you know and um, so they studied um, nuns catholic nuns and they actually measured their brain uh, activity before during and after prayer and, um, you know, so they came up, you know, they, they came up with these discoveries about what happens when we pray. And then they related it to the feelings that the nuns expressed and said, oh, yeah, this is how I feel when I pray. And it's this elation that you feel and this feeling of transcendence, like you're connecting with God, you know. And, uh, yeah, it's measurable physical activity that's happening in your brain. Yeah. Now, of course, when I heard this, I was a firm believer at the time. And I kind of, you know, I would hear reports like this. I would hear little studies like this and say, well, who's to say that the brain activity is causing the feeling? Or is it the spiritual connection that's causing this feeling, which is measurable in your brain? You know, yeah. I mean, that's a that's an option. That's a possibility. 
But the funny thing was, um, you know, when I saw that one about the nuns, that kind of rocked my boat a little bit because here I was a Protestant. I didn't believe Catholics were saved back then. I didn't believe Catholics were Christians, you know. And so how could these nuns have this connection with God? That's not going to happen. So yeah, it kind of kind of messed me up a little bit there. Hey, well, um, thanks for joining us uh, again. And uh, we're going to, you know, revisit some of these thoughts uh, probably in the next episode again. So uh, do stay tuned for that and um, keep connecting with us. Uh, you can interact with us more on um, our Facebook group. And uh, whether or not you're uh, on Facebook, um, that that's a really good way um, to get to talk to us. And I think you can even do it without being um, on Facebook. You can actually find the uh, group. I'm not totally sure about that. Correct me if I'm wrong on that one. But anyway, um, Facebook's obviously easy to join. If you want to join our group, uh, it's facebook.com slash groups slash pursuing truth podcast. And, uh, Join us there, make comments, you can make posts there. Uh, we have a little community going on there. It's a public group, so um, you know, keep that in mind when you make your comments that pretty much anybody can read it. If you want to make more private comments, maybe to me, uh, or private conversations, you can send me a message via Facebook. You can um, send me an email, um, you know, all of that. So connect with us and... Um, yeah, I look forward to, to, to talking with you more. We'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.